Friday, 12 o'clock. It can only mean one thing. It's time for the VHS podcast. And I've got the maestro of marketing, the Sultan of Sales himself, Mr. Richard Moore. Hello, going? mate. Nice to see you. Thanks so much for having me on. No, it's my pleasure, mate. Absolute pleasure. Um, for anyone that doesn't know, Rich has been uh, been coaching me for, for the past couple of weeks. I thought I'd give him a, a, a little free little plug there. So <laughs> the man is a absolute legend. He's amazing at what he does. Um, but that's not for that anyway. So uh, we've got people joining the uh, the comments. Uh, we've got Dan's, Dan's popped in uh, and someone else that I can't identify, but people are starting to populate. So how the show is kind of structured is we do, I, I chuck a few questions at you. We go over to the comments section. If anyone's got any comments, um, they leave them there, and then we'll, we'll pick those up and see if we can answer them. And then we go into the the my favourite, my personal favourite part of the show, the quick fire movie quiz round, which is uh, is at the end. So let's, uh, let's ready for a quiz. Awesome. <laughs> let's dive in, dude. So, um, I mean, yeah, for for people that don't kind of know, how did you kind of how did you kind of find the the platform initially, and how did you you know what attracted you to it? How did you kind of get started on the on the platform? So, yeah, good question. So I think like most people, I joined in like the mid late 2000s. Um, uh, LinkedIn has been around for a very long time, of course. And then back end of the 2000s, I was actually in a recruiter role uh, as a sales direction, overseeing people who were using the platform a lot. So I was very much uh, working with teams of people who, you know, we, I was I was focused on helping develop their sales, but they were very much using the platform in the classic sense, you know, finding people to headhunt and so on. So that's how I got onto it in that respect. Then it kind of went fallow because I started my own consultancy uh, seven or eight years ago. And now uh, the kind of the second coming, the uh, LinkedIn 2.0 for me uh, was, was actually relatively early in this process of it becoming more of a content player um, because video was only, I think it was really the first thing that came out beyond um, articles and status updates. Uh, and that was only August, 2017. But I launched myself uh, content-wise on it in March 18. So it's been two and a half years. It's gone very quickly. And um, uh, it's crazy how it's it's such a mature platform and yet people using it in, in more of marketing content sense. Like there's no one who's done it more than a few years or a couple of years. You know, we're all the grandparents doing it and we've only been around for a couple of years. So it's kind of a, it's still early, which is really exciting. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the process so far. Okay, cool. I mean, you kind of alluded to it a little bit there, and it's it's only kind of fairly recently they started. Um, Dan saying that we got a little bit of echo. Is it is it terrible, Dan? You gotta let me know what I need to do. I have a mic, and I need to be able to hear you. I suppose. But no, I think I think yeah, I think I think it's okay. I think it's okay. Yeah. So that's no one's uh, no one's complaining that badly. Um, so yeah, how did you kind of first kind of get started with with the video side of stuff? Yeah, so um, so well, Facebook was where I kind of cut my teeth, uh, and I've been using, I've been basically doing what I'm doing now, but on Facebook since 2015. So um, Facebook and then Instagram's where I've been doing this anyway, and video uh it's you know i've been doing lives i've been doing live streams now for like four and a half years uh because of facebook and video just has to feature because you just and you're like that here in that but it's it has to feature because it's allow allows people to consume more of you with different senses so it, it yeah. without question was, was a feature of what i was doing elsewhere um and you know so so i kind of rolled it up right right away but it was also strategic because if i did a collaborative call with someone else so if i recorded something with say someone with a strong large network and posted that 
it enabled me to tap into their network, just kind of playing the algorithm a bit. It meant that people would show up that much more. And, and it would be, that was a real reason for step changes in my, um, uh, in my following, uh, because I was, I was doing these videos with people who are very well known on the platform already. And that, that really made a big difference. Awesome, dude. Yeah, you, you're you're like a, a general. I think you're you've got a very clear strategy about about what you're doing, with and and it's absolutely nice to hear the video is, uh, is is part of that. Um, how do you think you've kind of grown so quickly on the on the platform? Yeah, um, it's interesting. I'm not on it all the time, contrary to what people seem to think. The reason why <laughs> I believe I've grown well is because I'm very mindful about um, where I'm spending the time. So I'm always looking at where. Um, how I'm connecting with people in terms of like, or, or rather who I'm connecting to, like like what names are popping right now and how aligned am I with them? You know, am I, am I making sure I'm in their kind of ecosystem? But what I'm also doing is deploying a strong, consistent stream of uh, pure signal against the area I work in. So like the content is very tight with my niche. And um, I have a team behind me who do the building of the videos. So I, I actually only, in terms of video, I only actually do one video per week. And that's the live stream on a Monday. And that goes on to, um, you know, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. It then gets packed, un unpacked and put as audio into a podcast. Then the team break it down and make micro videos. So all the videos people see, um uh, each week are all coming from the one piece of content because yep. they don't actually have time to sit making massive yeah, videos yeah. and you know how long it can take to build this kind of stuff so yeah. it's really important to do it that way so that repurposing of the one piece of content is really powerful i, I, I unpack quite a few pieces of content from that and then occasionally you know obviously I, I i write the copy here and there but but other than that it doesn't mean i'm banging out content all the time because i wouldn't be able to actually do any work otherwise otherwise but yeah, that's yeah. all i did yeah again now that's that's fantastic that you're very you have a very clear strategy and you're very concise with with how you um put that content out yeah. um just to let people know if they have any um questions pop them down in the um down in the in the comments um, and we'll get them answered a bit later on <clears throat> so with them i mean kind of obviously there's a you know a thing uh covid at the moment that a lot of people have uh, have heard of um how do you think this has kind of affected uh, the kind of landscape of, of linkedin do you, do you think it's kind of forcing more companies to to look at their kind of digital presence their social media presence um and how do you think it will kind of affect the the landscape of linkedin over the next sort of six months or so it's a really hard question to answer but we can already make some um good assumptions about what's going on and i think that um for me i've certainly seen that i'm very much more relevant because i show people how to convert and close in an elegant way and yeah. i understand linkedin so when you combine the two it's really important because a lot of people now are going you know how you know how you always like muck about on linkedin yeah it's really serious now i actually need your help so, so it's interesting how that's happened a lot because it's yeah. all i've got but simultaneously we've got this issue of desperation because the truth is there's a difference between a salesperson needing clients to hit a target and a business that salesperson works for needing clients, but the clients or potential pool of clients don't have money either. And they're struggling. The problem yeah. with this pandemic is it's not affecting like one industry or, or, or a set of people it's affecting everyone. So the biggest issue a lot of people are finding is that the people they're trying to get business from are in turn having problems from their clients. The whole world is being affected. 
And the bottom line is before the pandemic, like money was easy. It's very easy to make money back before then. And now it's certainly a little bit more um, uh, difficult to do. So that's why people need to invest in doing it right. And the thing is, deep down, if people, this is kind of the big takeaway, I think, if people understand that the best way to approach people is by taking cues from their offline world. So like if you and I meet in a pub, how would that conversation go down? What that looks like, as opposed to trying to be uh, trying to be seduced by the fact you've got this volume of hundreds of millions of people and, and cracking your way through as many as possible. And so being efficient and trying to fire out as many pros, uh, you know, DMs and, and um, uh, proposals as possible every day is a dangerous game because all you're actually doing is spamming people. And you and the, the truth is on a platform that's online, you have to just work a little harder because we're yep. missing some of the visual cues and other senses aren't able to fire as much. So you have to be a bit more deft, but a, bit, a good start place is to think about you know where, what you would do in the in real life. So thinking about how, what human would say or do uh, as a start point. But what does the future look like? I really feel, and I'm just speaking maybe maybe for the UK, but I think in general, I really feel that the culture of what work looks like will change if we ever. Because look, there's no vaccine for scar for SARS yet. It's been like 12 years. If we ever get to a point where there's uh, what we felt was normality can be resumed. I can't see people operating in an office only basis as in as as much entirety as it has been in the past. I think that you'll find there's a lot more uh, remote and online working. I think that a tool like LinkedIn is a really good opportunity for people to see how efficient they really can be. Um, but people have got to do it properly. There's too much arrogance yeah. in content. A great display of arrogance where people don't realize they're doing it is they go to post a new piece of content and they stick in a link to a, to a blog post on their website, hit post, and literally that's all they do. And they're like, what the hell? Why hasn't it got vi not gone viral? What? I'm not getting any comments. Like, I'm posting all the time. There's no reason. You've got to give people a reason to want to, to come and look at it. And it's arrogant yeah. to think that everyone's going to just jump on your no. boring white paper. You've got to put a bit more effort in than that. Yeah, yeah, you have to absolutely earn their their trust by providing as much value as possible. You can't yeah, just people yeah. need to want people need to want to look at it, and that that yeah. requires thinking. Think like, well, how would how would I get someone to want to to like, engage with me in in real life? I need to kind of use some of those uh, yeah. um, play play on the human angle a bit more. Yeah, I think everyone's always looking for the shortcut, but it is a long term. It's a long term game. It's a long term strategy, and and you have yeah. to put the effort in. You, you have yeah. to create good content that people want to engage with. In the first instance, you can't just put out spammy stuff and ex expect any kind of you know. Me and you and and our audiences, we don't engage with content that that's spammy. So why would you put that out there in the in, in the first instance? It's sense. just lazy. It's just lazy. Yeah. People don't want to do the work, and you have to. No. Everyone, even everyone deep down knows that's what they have to do, but they think, well, you know, I can I I can work at scale. I can I can use a bot and bang out fifty messages a day. I'm mm -hmm. just going to do that, and maybe I'll get someone. But like that's not particularly fulfilling, nor effective, and no one wants to buy that way. So. In a world where we are very conditioned to what spammy, salesy approaches look like, we need to avoid precisely that. And so a bit, yeah. uh, word I'm using a lot lately is a bit more elegance is required uh, to yeah. show someone actually care that much. So sorry, it has to be manual one-on-one. -on -one.
what, what I don't get as well is this, that that people know, I mean they're they're flooded with their inbox with these these kind of DMs daily. It's like why would you not spin it on its head and go well? I, I know this doesn't work because it's turning me off and and, mm -hmm. and go the complete opposite way. It's, it's it's difficult for people to switch their brain over to to kind of value driven um, sales. Really, it's, yeah. it's a difficult concept to grasp. But this is why to go back to your question. This is why it will probably improve somewhat because if we all stay at home all the time that's all people have got and the truth is that it was an it was a nice to have additional little extra fun thing that people did in the past because they had face to face and and like they would go meet people yeah. in meetings and they'd have business events and you'd get deals that way and then oh yeah you know oh everyone keeps talking about social we should probably do something on social media let's just like let's just get our intern to bang out a few posts yeah it doesn't work does it so we'll just like we'll just do it but like but now it's 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 all you've got so you so i think people will evolve into it a bit more which will be interesting in the next uh, 18 yeah, months it's it's, it, it's it's literally done this it's forced people to go oh yeah i've got to look over here and 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 address this now um uh why do you think uh, people don't kind of understand the 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 value of putting out content as a as a sales tool do you think i think i think more do than we think uh definitely more people get the value of it than actually post content and it's because of fear if you reduce it down enough it's fear and it's it's a it's a social fear it's based on like well it's this it's this projection in your mind of all the people you know that all the clients you've ever worked with all the people in your team people in your office seeing you write something or make an opinion have an opinion and in business a lot of the time it's you, you make your moves, but in the main, most people keep their head low because they don't want to, they don't want to kind of rock the boat or, you know, there's this fear that they make a statement that they're kind of advertising the stance of a business. Whereas in, in fact, it's precisely what you need to be doing because you need to be a bit more divisive and show people that your company stands for a particular thing. But the crazy thing is that uh, there's going to run the risk of me sounding like some kind of LinkedIn evangelist right now, but the, the opportunity is immense because it's a huge audience, 700 odd million people. And it is also a mature audience of decision makers who are used to the platform. And what they're used to more than anything is, is, is silence. Very, very few number of people actually bother to post anything. So the opportunity is huge because if you make pieces of content, if you on your first day, if you make a piece of content and, and post it correctly, hundreds of people will see that. Go try that on LinkedIn, on Facebook or on Twitter. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work. So the organic on it is outrageous. And, and it's just, it's so funny. It's the same as with anything. If you, if you speak in front of people that you know, it's a bit daunting the first time. Then after a while, you're like, you know, it's not that big a deal. And, and everyone I've ever worked with potentially could see me when I post stuff. Like you just got to put the way you feel about doing it beneath the, importance of doing it for your business yeah supersede yeah. it with the outcome for your company that's the way to look at it yes. and don't worry so much people worry and like uh, you know to start with no one's looking at your content anyway it's not that that it's, it's not yeah, billions of people looking at it no one cares no. So no, just no, try the, the way i see it is it's it's a sandpit initially so play around with it and see what works and, and have fun yeah and, you know but you'll definitely definitely scary. fail you'll definitely fail if you don't oh, yeah. do it that's yeah. the thing um, who are some of your uh, and you never feel I never feel obligated for anyone to say uh, 
myself, but who are some of your favorite content creators on the on the platform on LinkedIn? Myself. <laughs> no, I'm joking. No, yeah, obviously, yeah. You're good. Uh, <laughs> that's it. Uh, who do I like uh, at the moment? I really, I'm uh, uh, pals with a guy in the states uh, called Jonathan Palmer. Uh, yeah. He's I. I what I really like is that he's gone at this aggressive. Like he, the guy is doing it properly. He has a studio. He has script writers. Really puts the effort in. And inside this year, he's been an absolute stormer. And he's really what he's doing really well because he works with the video marketing is something akin to what you do, Nick. Which is rather than say, "Hey, I do video marketing," he's understanding that people are consuming content on their breaks. And so when you poke fun at the subculture of the world you're in, people enjoy that entertainment. And of course, sufficient number of people looking at it are curious enough because that's how humans are built to do the stalk, click on the profile, go, oh, look, there's more about him. And so I really like his process. It's really organic. Um, and yeah. he's, uh, he's a great dude as well. So I really, uh, it was really nice. I, I chatted with him in, in, his, um, in, his, uh, in his kind of mastermind group recently. Uh, who else do I like uh, following? I really enjoy, mm, let me think, there's a lot, there's a lot of different ones. Uh, Cece Johnson is someone I've been working with for a while and uh, she works with marketing uh, parts of businesses, but specifically the focus within uh, their world of culture and understanding culture. And she's worked with some of the most amazing brands. She's, you know, from Harvard to um, Elle to Beyonce. Uh, one of her clients was on Forbes Business. So like, really amazing brands, but always a focus on, on understanding culture in different regions around the world and how to deploy that effectively. She also comes from a background of, of, of uh, understanding fashion and, and dressing and clothing and how that maps to making a message so you can my my description is you can almost weaponize how you dress and things like that really fascinating stuff and she's super bright as well her her business called self sells is unreal like the content such so rich and it shows a clear understanding of of uh, how you can use uh, an awareness of culture to get a message across to the right kind of audience in the right way and there's no wonder that businesses in the climate aside from covid if you look at culture and different races and things like that this this uh year she couldn't be more relevant so i really enjoyed the it's just higher brow content you know and i really like yeah, yeah. i really like kind of the intellectual sparring with her yeah which which uh which sometimes there isn't much i won't i'm very guilty of that my my content but sometimes people need it you know, sometimes people's break is learning and other times yeah. people's break is a skit so it's it's yeah yeah yeah, I um, I did a, I did a, um, I hosted one hour of a twenty-four hour live stream with Jonathan Palmer and Luke Matthews at the at the weekend. Yeah. It was really, really good content for an hour, just just shooting the breeze, talking absolutely yeah. rubbish for, for an hour. Yeah, great was, guy. Was I really enjoy his energy. It's really good fun. Yeah, and genuine too. You know. Um. So I I always find this a, a difficult question to ask because we're again we're so bombarded with content, um, and it's very rare that a piece of content will kind of stick. Um, in my mind but is there any kind of any specific pieces of content that you've seen on the platform that kind of stick for you that you've seen oh gosh a good question um mm. some stick for negative reasons you know because i think some people okay. have taken 
authenticity and vulnerability as tools and run with it to the nth degree and starting every post it seems there's someone that i'm thinking of, i'm certainly not going to say who they are they pretty much start every post with things like tears are rolling down my face as i write this or this is probably the hardest post and it's like really every day and every day you feel like that like every day you seem to be upset like like chill out a bit so that kind of thing is really irritating and i think but it stands out because it's it's like it's a display of of what happens when you take a buzzword in the case of 2019 it was authenticity if you take a buzzword and you take it too far everyone's going oh social media is so fake you have to be authentic but the problem is that you can be too authentic to the point where everyone's like yeah i I, I don't want to buy from i don't want to buy from this person (laughs) this person like they need to see a therapist and they don't they they certainly can't look after me uh and they've overdone it and i think that that's uh uh, i can't tell if it's if it's wrong or right because it's just my opinion but i don't don't see how that maps to someone going i think that person must know their stuff yeah I, I think um i think you can be uh i think you can be too authentic um mm. and people do you you almost need to t- tone it down a little bit because uh people get it's almost like a kind of shock and awe thing it's like this is yeah it's, it's kind of hyper real it's too real and people don't want yeah that. They, they want they want real but they want it fuzzy at the edges if that makes sense exactly it's, yeah um, but to be balanced um <clears throat> there's there's uh a guy i know really well it's actually two guys uh over in san francisco whose content has just it's starting to break linkedin i'm so impressed and i and i think that one of them is going to be um it look, I, I, I can share this is public because he put it on his instagram yesterday <clears throat> it looks like he's going to be uh, a linkedin top voice as well as a result of this in for 2020 and totally deserved it so there's a guy called jonathan javier and jerry lee so they both worked for google so i met them last year in san francisco when they're at google and we hung out and we had we had giros together and just generally had a really good time and um they run it there's a company called one salting that, that jonathan originally set up and jerry works with them on and they are helping students get great jobs so that's all straightforward right that's what people do but they are they understand in their marketing value of network effect I mean so you know like the way Facebook stuff started to get gather uh, pace was because you had to be on it because everyone else was on it so it made more people wanted to get on it because it's like have yeah. you seen all of your friends on Facebook it's like well I kind of need to be on this now and so all of these students are, are supporting all the other students and the reason why I'm so impressed with the the content is firstly that he they, it's like they engineer virality really well and just by working the network effect but the other side is amazing is that all that basically pretty much every day they're doing an online event and they bring people in from loads of different brands. So, but they, they don't necessarily bring in like the highest person at the company. They just bring in someone from a brand. So they might be even someone who's an intern or someone who's been there a year or so, but it, you like, you look at the, 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 um, the graphic of the event and it will be Tesla, Microsoft, Google, Snapchat. And it's like unreal levels they're working at. And I just like, that that is that is knowing what humans respond to that's yeah. knowing the power of brands and knowing that actually the brand is so powerful that people overlook the job title almost and they're like wow you've got airbnb and you've got tesla speaking at your next event and that the, the lean in and receptivity is unbelievable and, and as with no no surprise at all inside this year 
they've absolutely rocketed their following is insane now and i'm sorry i love what they're doing at one salting i think it's amazing example of how to do marketing well cool are we gonna uh we're gonna head up yet yeah, take that take that civil war because we're gonna head over to the uh the comments now yes. so uh, let's have a look get one up i saw one from uh daniel um i like rebecca pay's comment we're talking about um uh, connecting oh, yeah. oh, just talk about ice cream it works <laughs> every, every time, every time. <laughs> What's yeah, your favorite ice cream? It's it, kind of a good one i like it. it 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 works yeah it works for rebecca there's a good one here from uh from daniel uh daniel here so richard how do you approach a new prospect on linkedin outreach we, we both know the answer to this one but i'll let you take that one away <laughs> yeah so so no one wants your value okay everyone thinks oh you should leave with value right no <laughs> this is why i put a post about this recently you don't leave with hey daniel hill um i really want to connect with you a bit about me answering this uh, unasked question of tell me all about you richard a bit about me i've been being a, i've been a coach for this many years and here's a link to my free webinar i mean that's that it's free and it's webinized value right wouldn't you want it you haven't earned the right to give someone value until they want to hear from you in terms of your value. So to approach a new prospect on LinkedIn, something I don't really do now because uh, because of the approach I take, it's it's the inbound approach instead and getting people to come into orbit around my content and then picking them off sounds um, like not very nice. But basically working with people who are already showing some receptivity is what I would do. But to answer this question directly, um, you have to do a modicum of research. Sorry, go on the profile. If they've, if they've got content, life suddenly got very easy. But like, where's the commonality? So Daniel Hill, I would be like, I'm going to look. Let me do it right now. Daniel Hill. Daniel Hill. Oh, here you go. Here you go, Dan. Look, look at this. This is <laughs> Daniel Hill. Sorry, Daniel Hill is a rather uh, a familiar name, it seems. So I'm just going to do some. I'm going to pick uh, Nick instead and go to your profile. <laughs> So, you know, I could do something as simple as, you know, you're in London, but but Nick's a very, very uh, uh, expressive person. You've got you've got Arcadian style um, uh, little uh, sprites from 1980s games that brings my nostalgic part out. You've got some uh, you're very, you know, very focused on like uh, retro nostalgic uh, old school uh, video. There's so much to talk about. Why would you not lead with that? So here's the thing. The pitch template that people spam with isn't actually bad, typically, in and of itself. The timing is what's bad. The process is wrong. So save the template is probably brilliant, but you have to earn the right contextually and emotionally for that person to want to look at it. So start with how you'd speak to them in real life. Oh, my God, I love the uh, the video you did with the mullet hair haircut uh, that, that, with that wig. I think it's brilliant. Uh, how are you doing? And that's all. Because before someone is their job title that you want to pitch, they're just a person first, which is, sounds really corny. But the, the bottom line is if they're humans, they need you need to tap into the human response first. It's really, really important. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And then you ultimately move to a point where you end up talking about work. And then if it feels right, then you talk about how you can help them. Yeah, it's, and, and it's, it's a longer it's, route. That's why people don't do it. It's a longer route. But it works compared with spamming all day long and not getting anywhere yeah. then one bite and that's it it's not worth it yes you've you've got to put the uh the effort in um rebecca's got a quick question i like that we'll, one put that one in uh 
Have you read all the books on your bookshelf? I am. I think one of the only people who has books in the background who actually reads the stuff. I know <laughs> a lot of people who buy books to flex, like the, the classic ones. If you go back four years or so, four or five years ago to like, you know, when, when like bro marketing was really flourishing and everyone's like trying to flex about learning and stuff. And they're all holding like the intelligent investor up and that. And the spine's not being cracked once. And it's like, <laughs> don't just buy the book. It's the same as standing next to a Ferrari. It's like the highbrow version. It's like, don't buy the books for, as a backdrop. It's absurd. So, yes, I'm a massive nerd for reading. And every single day uh, I, tap, I tap into a book. However, Rebecca, aside from um, biographies, and even then sometimes not the case, most of these books I don't read cover to cover because I'm very impatient. And if it's like, I get the central thesis, uh, that's it. And I might dip in for an occasional anecdote, but then that's it. So if I look at the books, there's, there's way more beyond this as well. All of them have been consumed, but to varying degrees. So some of them I go into all the time. Others I'm like, I haven't read back to cover to cover, but why do you want to sit there reading the same point over and over again? Because some books are poorly written. They have a great thesis. Then it's like a hundred pages of padding, which you just don't need. So I'm impatient, but I'm also a nerd. I can't help myself. Yeah, a fellow nerd. I do. I do love a nerd. Um, we'll we'll jump to uh, Jack's last question of the day. There he is. Movie, How does Why Richard's does hair stay so polished time? and slick? These are the kind of questions I get on my show because this is yeah, the, I'm these irreverent. Are the people, <laughs> these are the questions that people want to ask. Look, so it's funny. Is I, I actually have, uh, thanks to my father, naturally very springy hair. And so it kind of stays like this kind of crash helmet where it is. So when I get up in the morning, it is genuinely kind of like this. I literally get a, a little dollop of wax, rub my hands and do that. And it's like it's like seven seconds. That's all I take. But don't, don't, don't I mean, rub it, mate. Don't rub it. I could ham up the regime even more. And what, what really, I think what's really worth sharing, especially on this show, though, is my grandfather had a full head of hair when he was 95, Nick. So, um, so, uh, and, and I, I actually have to have this cut every two weeks as well, because it's like, fur, it's so thick, it's crazy. <laughs> well, but I have the drag coefficient of a, you know, of a Ferrari, so. You, you do, <laughs> you know. do. I, I'm like, I'm like <laughs> driving a Leyland truck, because it's this big wall of hair. Um, Joe has got, we'll, we'll take this film because this is a serious question from yeah. Joe. Um, what's your, what's your view in all these services that utilize Sales Navigator, et cetera, to find your sales leads? I get offered them daily. I assume rubbish as it's spamming. And that depends a lot on what you do, you see, because if you're, um, some companies need a volume of leads. And I would, I would definitely endorse Sales Navigator if you're looking at building sales lists. Um, yeah. So call this because I work with a lot of call centers in, in the in the past years and they need a volume. Right. And so there's a lot of value in that sales navigators search facilities strong as well in terms of looking at depth. If you want to go beyond, you know, where's the business located to probably the size of business and a bit more depth within uh, a kind of more granular information about it. It's actually kind of handy as for what the likes of you and I do, Nick, I mean, I, I don't need 500 clients. You know, I, I need a few solid ones because I can, I am only one guy for the coaching I do. And, and beyond that, I, I would need scale for things like my courses that are just online courses. So it's an interesting question because it, it, you need the context of what's being sold. 
I, I actually don't use Sales Navigator, ironically. I use um, just premium business, that's all. Uh, those of you who have, uh, I mean, have not tried either, there's a free trial anyway for a month, but it's rare if you're a consultant or working with a lower volume or often higher ticket selling that you would need Sales Navigator in my, my experience. I don't feel that the depth of drilling into search is as required. And as a result, you know, you need to ask yourself, like, do I need automation in terms of finding names to connect with? Automation is valuable for so many things in terms of kind of getting things off your desk and getting someone else to do it. But, you know, so sometimes getting a VA to do it instead for you makes sense. I, I don't know. If you're looking at building your connections up, there's some sense in working slightly a bit more of a volume approach. But then you've got to be careful because the more the more volume you have or the more automation you have, the greater chance you, you run a risk of getting into this place where where you get shadow banned or, or I, I've had I've heard I know people who've been banned like I, I, some, one some person one person I know who no longer can send connection requests at all because yeah. just they yeah. just spam the so hell out of it. It's just not worth it because uh, you know it's like unless you're getting the results, there's just no point. And I I'm, I'm yet to see someone have automation on you know scores or even the hundreds of leads uh, every week that actually convert manual is king manual takes longer but manual is king and a one-on-one -on -one yeah. makes more sense but again that's with the context of what you're selling because you might need low to get higher volume and uh, just to, yeah. if i can add so for instance my online courses like you can but be quick yeah <laughs> the, online courses, the online courses are all you know they, they use ads because i need to hit a volume instead because they're lower ticket products that's all yeah, cool. Good answer. Thanks very much, Rich. Okay, we're going to go to our favorite part, or well, my favorite part of the show. I don't know if it's everyone's favorite part of the show, but it's my favorite part of the show. Um, the quick fire movie quiz round. So buckle yourself in, Rich. Here we go. Let's go. What is your favorite film? Without question, it is uh, Oliver Stone's 1987 uh, Wall Street, not Wolf of, but Wall Street itself. Yeah, Wall Street. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it might be. Um, favorite movie quote. And is it from the same film? Yes, obviously. Um, the scene where um, uh, Michael Douglas is calling Bud Fox, who you wake him up, he's like, I've just wired you 800, I've just made 800 thou in uh, gold on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. And he says, um, uh, uh, money, you know, money never sleeps, pal. It's like, it's time to go to work. And that like, there's, there's it's so powerful, that scene. And it's like the music's perfect. It really gets you going. And I used to watch it over and over again. If you go to YouTube, you can find literally just that clip. And like it gets me pumped because, you know, I came from this sales space in the 2000s and I love that kind of action. So oh, it's just I, just thinking of it now makes you makes me want to get on it. I love it. Motivating. I'm just laughing at the moment because uh, down in the comments, Joe's just put up what his area of uh, um, um, uh, products is that he's selling. And then Daniel Hughes chimed in. He's like, uh, Joe Rose, you need me. So, so Dan's <laughs> trying to tell Joe in the comments. Well done. Closing, <laughs> Daniel closing. <laughs> um, and James, yeah, here, here is the gremlin. Here is a new addition to the, uh, to the studio. Nice. I love that with the 3D glasses. Uh, there he is. Um, so Star Trek or Star Wars? I already know the answer to this one. That is not a question. I am not answering that question. That's <laughs> and I'm disgusted you would even compare Star Wars with, I can't swear, but with Star Trek. What are you doing? 
make that question better for the future. I'm a there, you go. there you go. And I hope the um, answer is the same from everyone, or they're not it allowed. Pretty, back pretty much is around. I'd say ninety-five percent of people have said Star Wars. So it's yeah, five, that five percent. What are you thinking? It's a good, good ratio. Um, Sorry, Randy. Sorry. First, first film you remember seeing as a kid? Oh, that's a good question. Okay, first film. Uh, I saw Bambi when it came out in the cin in the cinemas. What was that nineteen eighty four or something like that? Probably. So probably Bambi. <laughs> Yes, I cried. I was four. Um, I think that's probably it. I, yeah, I, I think that's probably what, what it was. I wasn't allowed to see Wall Street when I was seven, though. <laughs> do you think it would have shaped your... Do, do you think you'd have got into sales earlier had I, you seen it like, the age Wearing a three-piece three suit and uh, and telling people to buy and sell would be amazing. I've just got that's an image it. in my head now of little Rich with glasses on a three-piece suit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear, on, on the trading floor. Um, uh, <laughs> favorite uh, actor or actress? I really, really love. Um, oh my god, uh, Christian Bale. I'm a really big fan of his actually. Yeah. Um, when he because American Psycho is obviously apart from the psycho part, bad bits. I think it's an amazing book by Brett Easton Ellis and, and that film is brilliant. And he just gets it so well reading the book first and watching that. That's when I was like, the dude's a good actor. It's, I really it's, like it. it's, Yeah. It's, it's weird actually. I've got, um, I've got a lot of friends who got, got a, um, had a close family friend that was uh, um, a trader uh, as well. And that was one of his favorite books. Was American. No, no, it's like, it's like, yeah, yeah. I know everyone gets killed, but the, yeah is there again it's nostalgic yes it's the that, yeah absolutely yeah. and it's like when i was when i was one of those idiot mid 25 like 24 25 year olds i remember because i loved that film it was probably my favorite film at that time i was like i want to to have like the long leather wallet in my pocket and like just have notes in it with like the leather glove i don't know what, what it was but like the vibe was like and I, we were wearing braces nick we were wearing braces in the 2000s two color shirts it was amazing love that love it awesome um uh what's your favorite genre of, of films if you have one i quite like quite like finance drama ones you know things like the big short are fascinating films mm. as well so kind of the, the, that style but you know i like an action film as well uh, star wars is you know, I, I don't necessarily watch it as much. I've got two daughters. They're not into it yet. And uh, Fraser Nickel here is talking about the Avengers. Avengers is right. Well, I was never really a, a Marvel or, or DC comic kind of guy. But I, I, I dig an action film without question. Kind of like space films. Uh, good fun, too. Yeah, cool. Um, best, uh, best Gary Oldman film, if you have one. Did he also direct The Fifth Element? Uh, no, that was Luke Besson directed the Fifth Element. French. If French. Gary Oldman had directed the Fifth Element, then the Fifth Element, because I don't know what ones he's directed otherwise. Okay. I'm not. This is where I'm, I'm hitting my threshold in terms of knowledge. Yeah. Sorry. yeah. <laughs> um, so favorite, like, like, I mean, two or three that he's made that are well known. Uh, what Gary Oldman films that he's directed? Yeah. yeah. Um, I can't actually think off the top of my head anything that he's actually directed. I don't know if he has. I think he has, but I can't. Yeah. Okay. My answer stands then. If he directed Fifth Element, then the Fifth Element's pretty it's, good. It's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's kitsch camp craziness. Like, yeah, exactly. It was good, when it came out, 
yeah there was the, 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 the views of the future that we always saw when we were younger was very dystopian and, and that was just like bubblegum craziness it was like this well, it was John Paul Gaultier of course it did all the, yeah, did all the costumes. there's a story from that actually that um I think he designed one of the costumes in it had a load of uh, knives on on the costume in one of the opera scenes and it's in really? shot for like a couple of seconds the dress cost eighty thousand dollars to make and wow. Luke Besson literally like he, he was like you know crapped his pants he's like you spent what on a dress he's like yeah but it looks fantastic like, so. <laughs> like it's one scene man that's great it's in shot for like like seconds but yeah, yeah. i just I love that um <laughs> who uh who's your favorite director would it would it be oliver stone do you think i really like his stuff i think um you know some of the vietnam stuff he did as well like it's just really i i like how he's uh, yeah, I went through a weird period in like nineteen late nineteen nineties, like in John Woo films, but like got over that. But yeah, I think Oliver yeah. Stone like he's solid the way he does. Yeah, yeah, John John Woo was uh, was pretty cool. He he just seemed to have that sort of little period in the nineties, then kind of disappeared. Yeah, I was um, going to do Bad Boys maybe, but just lots of things exploding was good fun slow motion. <laughs> you can't, you can never be that. Um, most hated film of uh, of all time. Say again, what was that? Most hated film of all time most hated film um <laughs> uh anything star trek how about that yeah <laughs> like the really old ones you know it was just like what what am i watching here this is so budget so yeah and if doctor who ever made films there you go that as well oh, kind of yeah, sci-fi that's budget i can't i can't do it and i know that oh. star wars was budget but they got they man they just managed it and it looks really good i i think there's almost a, a level of nerdiness with um like i i see myself as a cool nerd but there's like when you go into like star trek and and uh doctor who territory it's like you're just a nerd nerd like yeah it. you're, you're, you're <laughs> like I no, I no longer care for my dignity the kind of yeah exactly it's it's the movie equivalent of wearing crocs yeah pretty it's much That's um, too uh fraser nichols says uh it was uh neil by mouth was the only film that gary uh Oldman directed okay. and i do remember okay. that film and i have seen that film and it's incredibly uh violent and not very nice yeah. it's, it's about gary Oldman's um, and daniel hill here i watched the chicago seven uh this week it was spectacular absolutely fantastic but sasha baron cohen's amazing in that as well great film yeah cool. Mr. Well, was getting blocked said rebecca so obviously mucking up my uh, news feed <laughs> well thanks very much yeah you've uh, you've been an absolutely fantastic guest um, You're very and well. a little bit longer than than usual but um, yeah have a fantastic weekend guys and we'll see you same time again 12 o'clock next week see you later yeah,